0: Greetings, I'm Edward Juan Lynham, also known by my music artist name, Dr. J.D. Thank you for those of you watching this as part of my video blog or vlog called How to Win a Murder Trial Against All Odds, Criminal Defense Trial Strategies and Techniques that can now be heard along with my anchor.fm audio podcast called Criminal Justice Today. For those of you who have read my memoir, Lily's Dad Paving It Forward, know I have lived a special, blessed and anointed life. That's in part because my paternal grandmother, Willie Mae Barrett was a special history-making woman along with my parents, Edward Lynham Jr. and Daisy W. Lynham. Now, we all know that God is perfect. And although my grandmother and parents grew up in the turbulent demonic times of racist Jim Crow laws, they overcame them to become trailblazers of their time. My memoir clearly paints a different story than the mosaic of my parents and grandmother with respect to me. You see, I may have grown up in the hood of the Rot Lake neighborhood near downtown Orlando, Florida, but I grew up experiencing privileges and opportunities. I now know most children, regardless of their race, were not able to experience. Like I said, God is perfect. And little did I know his perfect plan for me, even after he spoke to me when I was 12 years old, telling me I would become a minister while I was dealing with the expectation that my mother was going to die from cancer. I was too young to realize God's healing, my mother from cancer after speaking to me, was a sign that my life was predestined by him, that I be in the position that I am today, having traveled to 18 countries, four continents, one to learn a foreign language before becoming a gifted lawyer who'd make history by winning a murder trial in an all-white power judicial circuit. Despite God speaking to me at age 12, you'll see my memoir reflects the year was 1998 when God really began to show me that he, through his Holy Spirit, has special plans for me while in college I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't tell lies and we know from Scripture that God hates liars the Bible puts lies and liars in the box with abominations now I admit I made that promise to myself in college for the wrong reasons that reason being I didn't want to give a woman the power to ever honestly say that I was a cheater or had been unfaithful, meaning a promiscuous liar running behind her back. Because that seemed to be the number one attack a woman would launch against a man's character and integrity while I was in college. And I didn't want to be in that number. So telling the truth and not lying about things, events, or people is at my core. My family and friends know I wouldn't say anything behind someone's back that I wouldn't own up to, that I would say it in front of their face in addition addition to saying it behind their back. That's because truth is at my core. My closest friends often tell me that I can be hurtful with my sharp words. In response, I always agree with them that I know some folks, if not many, take exception To my lack of political correctness when i share my sincere thoughts and feelings with them that's because the truth hurts most people when it should not and that's because too many people lack humility and people who lack humility are endearing to its contrary and opposing qualities and characteristics of pride and pretentiousness pride and pretentiousness are the root qualities and characteristics of so many people who lie, cheat, and or steal. I'll repeat that. Ungodly pride and pretentiousness are the root qualities and characteristics of why so many people engage in lying, cheating, and or stealing. I'll make an example of this come right, that comes right in my memoir. I began my professional career working in pharmaceutical sales with Bristol Myers Squibb, a company with people senior to me who recognized my gifts and talents early in my career and, accordingly, fast-tracked me to corporate management. Because so many people harbor the qualities and characteristics of pride and pretentiousness, company management knew I had to be thoroughly trained in management leadership and emotional intelligence before sending me out into the field where I would be the youngest of 120 subordinates in my sales region, as well the only black person in my sales region. double whammy. Pride and pretentiousness is why some of my subordinates that I went out into the field to work with pushed back against the constructive criticism that I was thoroughly trained at giving them. Meaning I would tell them exactly what they did that could have been done better using their exact words of what they said while calling on a medical doctor. And I share with them by example of the words and or phrases they use, how I would have instead done it to make it better or more acceptable. So I'd repeat back to them verbatim what they said because repeating back to people what they say verbatim eliminates any subjectivity when giving feedback or constructive criticism. Now to make this point further jump off the page for you, I emphasize there's a huge difference between telling someone I thought your opening pitch was Below the bar, which is a subjective opinion versus telling them your opening pitch of, and I'll put this in quotes, for example, doctor, in 30 seconds I'm going to tell you why you're crazy for prescribing Lipitor to your patients who have LDL cholesterol between these certain levels. Close quote. The latter is objective because versus subjective. Objective meaning I recite exactly what they say. to describe what I found to be inappropriate versus simply concluding subjectively that their opening pitch was below the pale. The difference between subjective and objective feedback or criticism, as I've made from this, is example of polar opposites or the differences between giving good solid feedback or absolutely bad and harmful feedback to someone. Most people, managers, and entrepreneurs don't get this type of management and leadership training that's centered in developing your emotional intelligence. So it's an experience that I credit to my ability to repeat back to people exactly what they said using the exact words that exited from their mouth. Moving on from that experience, only God's Holy Spirit would then have me A young 26-year-old corporate pharmaceutical sales manager, making six figures at the time, leave that job to travel abroad to Madrid, Spain, to learn Spanish. But that's exactly what I did the year before I began law school. My memoir recounts my extraordinary legal career, a legal career that afforded me the opportunity to practice business law, entertainment and sports law, bankruptcy, civil litigation, and trial domestic relations, and even teach business law at the college level. Before I became one of Florida's highest volume and compensated juvenile dependency and criminal defense contract attorneys, meaning the state of Florida paid me and afforded me the opportunity to represent on average more than 100 clients a year. One year I earned almost $180,000 just from my contract work with the state of Florida. And of course, I have the 1099 to prove it. And it's a public record. My contract work in juvenile dependency and criminal defense allowed me to represent and help as many as 700 people since becoming a contract attorney for the state that began in the year 2007. The vast majority of those 700 people I represented were involved in our state juvenile dependency system or the child welfare system that focuses on protecting children who are abused, abandoned, or neglected by their parents or caregivers. In approximately 80% of those cases, I represented a parent or caregiver who was struggling with substance abuse, meaning they had a drug problem. The other 20% dealt with a parent struggling with their unresolved mental health issues. So my legal career consisted of representing well over 100 people with unresolved mental health issues that they had to overcome or learn to cope with to have a relationship with their child or children. Sharing my extensive background representing mostly adults but even children with special, certain special needs with mental health issues qualifies me to address the mental health issues at large displayed by society because My courtroom experiences represented the worst of the worst mental health cases that exist in our society. I share that part of my background because in part two of this video blog, I'm going to present the mental health issues that exist at large in the predominantly white communities of where I've lived and worked, along with the mental health issues in the black communities where I grew up and still socialize. God put me in a position to both live and learn in black and white communities. And many of you know from reading my memoir that I've lived and learned in Hispanic, as well as Latin, Latin, or I guess they call it Latinx communities abroad for over a year and a half of my life. So now's my time with everything going on in our world, open racism, satanic white Christian nationalism where televangelists preach and teach their followers to hate liberals and Democrats because they don't love God, and where black people and community leaders are cursed with the inability to trust one another or to work together on anything instead of posturing themselves to be liked by everyone, the get-along gang. And sadly, much of this behavior has much to do with the negative influences and affects both mass media and social media is having on our lives. It's disheartening for me to see how blacks and whites grab onto and propagate national news headlines that come in through their social media news feeds that support their prejudices. But these same people who act like they care about the direction our nation and communities are going obviously don't read the daily local newspaper to know what's actually more important to our day-to-day lives to know the more ap- important atrocities that are occurring present day in our own backyards in our own communities like how judges right here in my in our florida's fifth judicial circuit of lake sumter hernando citrus and marion counties have formed a satanic cult to keep this five-county circuit that's the size of Connecticut, an all-white power circuit where they openly commit the most egregious crimes against their own people while openly engaging in hate crimes against blacks on the public record. Local churches, pastors, lawyers, and even community leaders alike remain silent about their knowledge of these things going on because they too Are victims and perhaps unwilling followers and participants of this cult that has formed to further demonize and demoralize our communities so i'm going to end this part one of this episode titled god's special counsel with all that that i just said please stay tuned for part two as i dig deeper into the facts and analysis why our nation and communities are in a state of chaos and confusion. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Criminal Justice Today with me, your host, Dr. J.D. Thank you for listening. Happy Thanksgiving and Happy Holidays. God bless.